you know, some people might be motivated by economic concerns. They might say, my biggest hill to die on is the economy right now. Other people might say, my biggest hill to die on is health, that we're healthy, we're protected. Now, we might ask, well, who's right? And I would say that's not the right question, um, because each of these commitments that might divide us tap into deeper affections of what we yeah. fear, love, and trust. Welcome to Every Moment His. I'm Pastor John. And I'm Pastor Tim. We're pastors at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, also the Sandhill Crane capital of the world. We believe the gospel makes a claim on every moment of our lives, and so join us as we wrestle with the application of our weekly sermon in the trenches of everyday life. Well, how are you doing, Pastor Tim? I'm good. Yeah, doing well. It's extremely rainy here in Kearney as we are recording this. It is. Got one of those, uh, <laughs> we got one of those Nebraska thunderstorms, I think. Uh, yeah, it just, it just keeps going. Just keeps going. You want to hear a joke today? Uh, I don't think I have a choice. So. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's a joke. It's a little dark. Is that okay? Well, it's a, hopefully dad jokes aren't dark. Uh, yeah, it's, well, maybe it's like a PG-13 dad joke. <laughs> okay. But here we go. You're, you're on the edge well, of your What's seat our now. podcast right now? <laughs> I think it's PG-13. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Did you hear about the guy whose whole left side was cut off? <laughs> he, he's all right now. <laughs> <laughs> the concept is funny, but if you try to visualize yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah. Yeah. It's true. It it's, sounds like a 90s horror film. It does, yeah. yeah. A lot of claymation so. going on. So we, uh, what are we doing today? Uh, well, we're we're reviewing um, a sermon from this last weekend, and especially uh, focusing on how can Christians remain united in a divided nation, and especially during this time of COVID nineteen. Yeah, I think that's a a live question, and as many churches are going back to in person worship, at least here in Nebraska, I think that's a definitely something good to think about. Um, there was a really excellent article put out by the Gospel Coalition called Church, Don't Let the Coronavirus Divide You. Yep. Um, that's kind of formative, I think, for some of our thinking here. Um, I want to read a, a verse from your sermon. Uh, you preached on John 17. Yep. This was Ascension observed. Ascension actually is today. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. May 21st. Uh, but you preached that uh, sermon for this upcoming uh, Sunday, which would be May 24th, we are observing the uh, ascension of Jesus, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And uh, that's usually an Acts chapter 1, Luke chapter 24 sermon, but you took a little bit of a different aim at it with uh, John 17, which does talk about the ascension. That's right. Just not the typical text we use. So I'm going to read the key verse that you used that treats Christian unity. So uh, chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus is praying and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Yeah, so first of all, just looking at this, I think this verse is so cool because Literally, is Jesus saying, 
I'm praying for my disciples, but I'm also praying for everyone who's going to believe because of their word. So as they went out to preach, and so it's humbling to think that Jesus literally has you and me in mind Mm -hmm. as we, uh, as for this prayer, and and him being God, he can have all that in his mind, right? You know, he can actually pray for, you know, people in the year twenty twenty. Yeah, people uh, who knowing all of time who haven't even become Christians yet. Yeah, yeah so cool. It's pretty cool. Um, for all we know, Jesus could be praying for you know Richard Dawkins or some atheist or something. Yeah, you know what I mean, because in the near future, you never know who's going to get converted. Uh, yeah, it almost makes me want to break out into a chorus of. And they'll know that we're Christians by our love. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We are one in, in spirit. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. We are. We are one in spirit. And that's what he's praying for, right? He's asking that that we might be one. So having this unity that comes just like Jesus has with his father, um, that we can be one as well as the church. So kind of a profound thing. And so when we think about, okay, one of Jesus's top priorities for his followers is that they would be united in mm-hmm. a community, yeah. united as as believers. And um, I was kind of thinking about this, just we were talking a little bit about this before, but this is a bad analogy, so hang on. But <laughs> it only goes so far. Okay. But if you've ever seen the movie Independence Day, you know, with Will Smith, great, uh, a great movie. Um, there's the mothership and all of the alien spaceships, right? They're all controlled by the mothership. And so the whole plot of the movie is, uh, we got to go take out the mothership and then all, all of the other things will become, uh, you know, confused. They won't be able to operate because all the mothership's broadcasting. Yeah. And (laughs) of course it's a bad analogy, like I said, but we can kind of think, okay, the, the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of God, you know, the book of Ephesians talks about God seating at his right hand, that he's filling all things, mm-hmm. that he has authority over all things, over every name that is named, and that authority is given to him for the sake of the church, as right. he mm-hmm. is the head of the church. Now, of course, the great difference where the analogy breaks down nothing will ever dethrone Jesus, the Son of God. Right. And we're not talking about evil space aliens. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's just a few differences. And also <laughs> Will Smith is not involved. <laughs> and that we know of. That we know of. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> but it is this kind of thought that, okay, now that Jesus has ascended, everyone who names the name of Jesus, who calls on his name, who's in his family, baptized into his salvation, mm-hmm we have a common authority and a, something that commonly animates us yeah. so that we actually can be unified. We actually can find agreement and move together as we're controlled by the Spirit of God, as we give ourselves to that control. And, and the language the New Testament uses, Paul in particular, is the language of the head and the body. Mm-hmm. I think that's in Colossians, uh, that Christ is the head uh, and that we are the body, the members. Uh, which works well with your analogy, by the way, uh, the head and the members. Uh, now, we usually think of Christian unity being something at the denominational level, like, you know, um, if we could all kind of resolve our differences and whatnot. Uh, but as we're talking about it today, we're talking about it 
more at the local congregation level, I would say. So you have individual congregations who are making decisions about how to return to in-person worship, when, what's that going to look like. We have Department of Health and Human Service guidelines that we're asked to follow. We want to submit to our government authorities and be respectful of them. We want to care for the well-being of others, but we're also eager to gather. Yeah. And yet within that context, there is great potential for disunity because if you look at the wider cultural narrative going on, people are crazy divided over right. do you wear a mask or do you not wear a mask? Do you open the economy up or keep it closed? Do you and people get pretty upset about these yeah, things. There's do. a lot of deep feelings. And so there is potential for that to manifest itself at a in a congregation. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, when crises happen, um, we kind of see the worst come out in people or maybe the extremes come out. Yeah, we see the best and the worst, I think. And, yeah. and the worst can be pretty bad. Yeah, and I, I think, so right now, there's no surprise that we live in an extremely polarized mm-hmm. Uh, political United States right now. And, yes. you know, we've also kind of referring to that article that we is in, on the gospel coalition right now. Don't let the church or don't let the virus divide you uh, that we have been taught and catechized to see either pick right or left. Mm-hmm. And once you pick one of those sides, every, everyone who's thinking different than you is an enemy. Right. And so that can easily work its way into the church. Yeah, and there's really no room for nuance. That's right. That, yep. wow, these questions are maybe more complicated than we think they are. And another thing that article noted is that even our media does this. And I'm not talking about media being left or right or any of that. I'm saying all media does this. Yeah. That... It, it tends to, to polarize things, to well, think of things yeah. black and white rather Controversy than sells. The, the gray, right? Yeah, yeah. Controversy yeah. sells. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think anger sells. Yeah. All capital letters hysteria sells. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what we see, you know, is this COVID-19 crisis has been used as fodder to whip up the troops on both sides. Yeah, and I, I think both sides are guilty of it. You know, I think that, so. That there is this, you know, things have gotten exacerbated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's amazing how this whole situation has just become politicized, which just makes it even worse. But, uh, and, and so that can trickle down into the church, and we don't want that to happen. So how do we avoid that? I think that's really what yeah. we're trying to drive to, is how, as Christians, are we going to avoid seeing things through this political battle lens. Well, I got a couple of quick thoughts on that and then maybe a bigger one that's going to form our thoughts on this from a bigger picture perspective. You know, one is just to remember the weaker brother or sister. And I'm not talking about weaker in faith. I'm talking about maybe weaker in health. We just need to be sensitive to that, that say that you're a robust 30-something, you know, in good health, no chronic health issues or worries, you know, you may kind of go through this COVID-19 thing saying, what's the big deal? I don't get it. If I get Corona, I get Corona. Yeah. You know, but somebody maybe of the same age has the same um, 
age as you and, and maybe even level of fitness and whatever, but, but say they have an underlying health condition that makes this very scary. Or maybe think about your elderly neighbor. Just think about the wide network of, of potential anxiety here. And so we want to just be aware of that and be sensitive to that. That's kind of a principle in the New Testament is we always walk slowly honoring and caring for the weaker brother or sister. Yeah, and I think potentially that could go, it could go both ways. We can think of uh, the, the real health issues of these people around us, and so that might uh, cause us to, even though we might not be threatened by this, we might wear a mask when we go out, just right. take those practical mm-hmm. steps. It's maybe not for me, but it's for you. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I don't think it's a win for us if we say, I'm not going to wear a mask because I don't have to, or that right. infringes on my liberty as well. Yeah. Wait a second. Maybe it makes people around you just feel a sense of security. You know. Um, yeah, I think there might be another way too. I, I have seen um, people who tend to be more right leaning right now, mm-hmm. feeling like liberties are being threatened. Right? right. Like they're being, like the constitution's being trampled on with these these stay at home orders. It's not happening in Nebraska. Right. But it kind of gets their back up, and I I think there's potentially. Uh, if you feel that way, it feels very real. And as Christians, yeah. maybe if I don't think that way right now, mm-hmm. um, but maybe I can say, you know what, I can understand where you're coming from right? and why that's so valuable to you. I get it. I get the value of liberty. Yeah, like if you've lost work during this time, right. if you are suffering economically, if you are maybe living in a state where things have been a little bit more extreme extreme or, or, mm-hmm. or um, not like here in Nebraska then I, I could definitely see how somebody would have that feeling and so really I think the main thing is seeing the perspective of the other person and recognizing that this whole situation is messy and and our own individual experiences and life situations are gonna color the way we view things and we need to be aware of that so that it's not that there's a clear right or wrong answer always um, the, and, and so that actually played into my next point, which was remembering how complicated these issues are. Right. Um, the other thing is just to see the larger picture. So let's say that you might lean towards thinking, gosh, I don't even understand why our church stopped meeting in person. Like, and, and, and I don't understand why we didn't just resume immediately. Well, if we see the larger picture, if we worship at home for maybe three more weeks mm-hmm. and that gives my brother or sister a greater sense of safety. Right. Um, is it worth it? That's a win. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 I, I think, yeah, I think the temptation we need to avoid is polarizing by making people who are thinking differently, maybe reading different sources of news, mm-hmm. making them feel like enemies. And that's right. what the, that's the way of the world is, you yeah. know, is you're an enemy now. To sort of demonize people mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. Or to or to kind of interpret people wholesale. So if you are if you are a democrat, I'm going to interpret you through everything that I think that word means. And if you're right. a republican, I'm going to interpret you through the lens of everything I think that word means, yeah. whether that be true or not. And there's very little chance for dialogue there. You're just caricaturing yeah. <laughs> each other, you know? Like, if you're a Republican, how many Democrat friends do you have? And yeah. vice versa. <laughs> yeah, if that's right. If you're a Democrat, right. do you have some Republican friends that you can chat with? I think that's important. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tragedy that we're not able, you know, 
we're not able to talk about these things. And I was talking with a friend of mine who said, we need to bring back the study, you know, in people's homes. It used to be that you would get together with people and like go have serious conversations, you know, maybe over an adult beverage and talk about politics. You'd talk about real stuff. Right. And there's just no room for in the house for that. And nobody screamed or threw things typically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Now the only thing that we can really congregate around is sports. Yeah. Which is interesting. But people get pretty upset about that. <laughs> That's true. When I was That's up true. in Connecticut, the first question that I was asked when I moved there, humorously, but also very seriously, was Red Sox or Yankees? Yeah. To which I said, I don't follow sports east of the Mississippi. No, well, well played. Yeah. Well Just played. totally avoided that. Yeah. Just being a libertarian there. I That's guess. right. Perfect. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyways, uh, one of the big uniting things here that we need to keep in mind is this, is that, you know, some people might be motivated by economic concerns. They might say, my biggest hill to die on is the economy right now. Other people might say, my biggest hill to die on is health, that we're healthy, we're protected. Now, we might ask, well, who's right? And I would say that's not the right question. because each of these commitments that might divide us tap into deeper affections of what we fear, love, and trust. And if you, you know, we use this language from the catechism, what's the first commandment, Pastor Tim? Yeah, uh, you should have no other gods before me. And what does this mean? Yeah, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. You pass, you're going to get confirmed. Yeah, right on. (laughs) Uh, And so... Yeah, with this whole question of, of affections, fear, love, and trust, I think that, that plays into this division that we it experience does. at a political level and also in churches because we can make an idol out of the economy. We can make an idol out of our own personal health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I think this is where, okay, the, the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus gives us a perspective that allows us to think, I don't need to die on that particular hill. So with Jesus resurrected, we see there is life after death. Like there is a return of the body to a whole state Mm -hmm. um, that God can give to us. There's someone who raises the dead in our life. And that's going to allow you to take some risks. Now, obviously... (laughs) To be smart, right? Like we want to be smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's going to allow us not to live in cower and fear. I mean, we're going to be smart, like yeah. stay home if you need to stay home. Yeah. But not to live your life in the grip of fear. But also, I think what I hear you saying is there's a greater treasure too. Right. Because Christ is ascended. Set your minds on things above. Right. Not on earthly things like the economy. That there actually is a greater treasure, which is Jesus yeah, we. So, I mean, we've been. I've been falling in love with this uh, refrain from Colossians that we've been saying in the beginning of our our worship services. That you know, it says, "You have died," you know, and your your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, if we know that our true treasure is not in this this current earthly existence that is frail, you know, where moth and rust destroy. And fires consume, right? And, and th- there's loss all the time here. But if we know that our true life, our true treasure is hidden in Christ, then it, it kind of lessens our anxiety about, okay, what if someone give, gets me, gives me the virus, mm-hmm. right? Well, ultimately, I'm going to be okay. That doesn't mean that 
uh, where I'm going to be foolish right. and, t- and test God or something like yeah, that. Yeah, be smart. Yeah. yeah, but it does mean that whether or not I get ill from this, I know the one who raises the dead. On the flip side, even if my career is threatened because of these shutdowns. Or retirement deferred or things like yeah, that. Yeah, or whatever, you know, the economy, my stock market, whatever is going on there. Even if that was to happen, I know that that treasure is just temporary anyway. Yeah. And my true eternal treasure is is with Christ in the new world that is right. to come. And, you know, I, I think that applies to we have this election coming up in November of 2020. And, you know, even if your political candidate does not assume office or remain in office, Jesus is still on the throne and the church will continue to do its thing. Jesus is still Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be concerned for exercising your your duty as a citizen, you know, politics and all that. Those are important things, but they're not ultimate things. How about this? Let's take a break for a second. Sure. And we're going to return to this question of living in a divided nation. Um, But before we do that, we have a couple bonus questions we're going to take a look at. Yeah. So we've been putting out on our Facebook page... um, if you have any questions you want the pastors to take a shot at, send them our way, and we're going to try to answer these in this little bonus question segment. We need like a sound effect for this. Yeah. Bonus question segment bonus of our show. Bonus questions with Pastor John and Pastor Tim. <laughs> That'll be it. Bonus questions show. with Pastor John and Pastor Tim. <laughs> yeah. So this first one is, is actually a pretty serious question, um, at least for people in Nebraska. Very serious. And it is the best way to eat corn on the cob. Yeah, what is your preferred way to eat? Eat or cook? Well, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I eat it the the standard way. <laughs> okay, well, well, what is the standard way? Like, I pick it up, you know. With okay, you're getting a little I have those too tongs in there, and I, although my, How my do you grand- prepare it? How do you prepare it? <laughs> my grandfather it? eats it like a typewriter, you know? And I, was, I, thought, I thought that was very impressive. Yeah. Um, I, I generally, I think it tastes best when it's grilled. Okay. But usually I boil it. I throw it in the pot. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm kind of divided on that. I, I like it boiled, put some butter and salt on it. I also like it grilled with butter and salt, not with foil, mind you, you just open grill it. It's a delicate art to grill corn. It is, Because yeah. you can mess it up. Yeah, you really can. And you can either make it too crunchy because you didn't cook it long enough, or you can burn it. Yep. And um, now, if you've ever seen the movie Nacho Libre mm-hmm. with Jack Black, which was created, I believe, by uh, Jared Hess, who put together Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, really? I believe so. <laughs> Makes sense. I they might be wrong on that, but I think he... They have similar uh, characteristics. Yes, uh, yeah. they have that, that Mexican corn on a stick. Yeah. I aspire to that, but... I bet someone has the best method ever out there who's listening to this, and they can help us out. They can let us know. I bet there's a way. Well, our next question is a lot more serious and uh, a good question, though, and it is, how do you know if you've forgiven someone? Yeah, and I, I think this is a really... It's a really excellent question. It tells me that if you're thinking about this question, it means that you're taking your inner life seriously and your vocational life as a christian to forgive as you have been forgiven Mm -hmm. because it's not always easy and i think just first of all it's a very good question because it says i'm wrestling with how to do this how to forgive people in my life that have harmed me 
Yeah, just that question of awareness, I think, is important because some people withhold forgiveness and maybe they don't even approach the question because it's not on the radar. Mm -hmm. I think a litmus test for me has always been, can I pray for that person? Am I able to bow before God and pray all of his richest, blessed goodness for that person with no strings attached? I think that that indicates a forgiving heart. But, you know, you made a good point in our conversation earlier about this question, is that sometimes forgiveness is a process and the, the damage that's been done to you that requires forgiveness uh, may be damage that's not completely healed mm -hmm. in this life or maybe that takes a long time to heal. And so you may have to, to forgive people to kind of check in with that forgiveness. Yeah. Because you may, sometimes there's layers of revelation of how hurt you've been. Yeah. And the, uh, we, we gradually understand the injustice that's taken place. Yeah, so yeah, if someone has wounded you very deeply mm -hmm. um, and you're struggling to heal from it, mm -hmm. sometimes I, I think you're going to, yeah, like you're saying, you're going to have to return to that forgiveness again. And it, it becomes a bit of a spiritual practice. Yeah. You know, where you say, you can kind of feel yourself getting angry again. You know, maybe especially if you're suffering in some way. Yeah. You mm -hmm. feel that anger rising and then you think, God, please help me uh, unburden me and allow me to forgive this person because this anger is not serving me. It's not serving your kingdom. Uh, and so allow me to forgive once again. And I think that yeah. I've experienced that. I know lots of people go through, through hurts like this. And I think it's okay to struggle with this and to return to that forgiveness. Right. And forgiveness is not suppressing the reality of what took place. Uh, forgiveness is not forgetting, nor mm -hmm. is it putting yourself in a dangerous situation. I mean, we have to be careful that we're not just cutting people out of our lives. You know, I mean, sometimes we get that language of, I'm just going to cut that person out of my life. Well, you might need to distance yourself from somebody for your own literal physical <laughs> safety yeah. uh, or emotional well-being. But um, we can be honest about the, the hurt that was done. We don't have to say it's okay because it's not. But then forgiving... I think that a simple definition of forgiving is we're asking God to treat someone the way that he's treated us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're releasing them from the anger yeah. uh, and the vengeance that we hold. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, very, it's a spiritual good. My, my grandfather used to tell me that, you know, not forgiving someone is like drinking battery acid and think it's, thinking it's going to hurt them. Yeah, right. And, I, I, you know, it's a little bit of hyperbole. but I, I just had that quote in my mind, except it was poison. Yeah. But battery acid is a little <laughs> yeah, bit more of a specific type of poison. Yeah, right. You can just hear you it could, sizzling. You could taste it a little bit. Yeah, too. a little bit. So. Um, but yeah, I think just another thing about that too is when we say, how do I know if I've done anything in the spiritual realm? How do I know if I've forgiven? I think if you're, if you're asking that question, mm. you don't need to know if it's completely done in your heart. I mean, who can really know that? Yeah. I would just say, if you're asking that question, just return to the practice of prayer and forgiveness. Right. Meditate on the cross, meditate on what he has done for you, and then ask God to help you extend that favor and that grace and mercy beyond yourselves. Well, if you have a question uh, during the week, just let us know, and we'll do our best to integrate it into the podcast. 
All right, so that is all the time we have uh, today for this discussion, but we want to keep this discussion going, and so we're going to go ahead and uh, split this into another episode. And so if you want to continue this conversation about the interplay of the kingdom of God and politics here uh, on the ground, uh, make sure to check our next episode, the continuation of this conversation.